1: Good morning, evening, and afternoon. Thank you for joining us. This is New Books Network, and this is New Books in South Asia. I'm your host, Ujan, and today I'm joined by Professor Sumathi Ramaswamy and Professor Monica Junija. We today will be discussing a co-edited book by the authors titled Motherland. Ushwamala Ends Woman and Nation. The book is published by Roli Books um, and it came out in 2022. Um, let me introduce our guest today. Sumathi Ramaswamy is James B. Duke Distinguished Professor of History at Duke University and the president of the American Institute of Indian Studies since twenty eighteen. She has, publi- she has published extensively on language, politics, gender studies, spatial studies, and the history of cartography, visual studies, and the modern history of art. And more recently, digital humanities and the history of philanthropy in modern India. Her most recent works are Gandhi in the Gallery, The Art of Disobedience, New Delhi rolly Books 2020, a digital project on children's art titled B is for Bapu, Gandhi in the Art of the Child in Modern India from 2020, and a co edited volume with Monica Juneja titled Motherland, Pushwamala Ends, Woman and Nation, which today's conversation focuses upon. She's also a co founder of the Swirghar, a digital network of South Asian popular visual culture from 2006. Over the years, her research has been supported amongst others by the John Simon Guggenheim Foundation, the American Council of Learned Societies, the Alexander Von Humboldt Foundation, the National Humanities Center, the US Fulbright Commission, and the American Institute of Indian Studies. She's currently working on a new project on educational philanthropy in British India. We also have today with us Professor Monica Juneja, who is a professor of global art history at the Heidelberg Center for Transcultural Studies, Heidelberg University. She has written extensively on transculturality and visual representation, the disciplinary practices of art history in South Asia, the history of visuality in early modern South Asia, heritage and architectural histories in transcultural perspective. Her latest book, is can art history be made global? Meditations from the Periphery came out in 2023, for which she received the Opus Magnum Award, for, award of the Volkswagen Foundation. Together with Sumathi Ramaswamy, she has recently edited Motherland: Pushpamala's Women and Nation, which we discuss here today, to accompany an exhibit of the video and performance artist Pushpamala. Ends at the. Booker-Kund Museum Heidelberg. Monica Juneja edits the series, Visual and Media Histories from Rutledge, is on the editorial board of Ding uh, Material Ke from Brill, and Aesthetic Praxis also from Brill, and the History of Humanities uh, from the University of Chicago Press. She's also the co-editor for the Journal of Transcultural Studies. Is a member of the advisory board of the Walter Benjamin College of the University of Bern, the Teat Hyundai Research Center, London, and the Deutsches Zentrum for Kultur, Kultur für Kulturgutverlust that supports provenance research of objects acquired in colonial contexts. My apologies for the mispronunciations, but let me now turn and begin our interview. Uh, let me first ask. Um, go to Professor Janeda. Our first question in New Books Network is always biographical. So um, can you tell us a bit about, both about yourselves and uh, how you came to collaborate on this book?
2: Yeah, thank you, Jan. Well, I'm an art historian, and as you just announced, I'm located at the University of Heidelberg, though I taught for many years at the University of Delhi in India and then moved on various visiting assignments in several places, Vienna, Zurich, Hannover, and the Emory University at Atlanta. The position that I hold here in Heidelberg has been ambitiously named the chair of global art history, and this is the first and only position of this denomination in the German speaking countries. So one of the obligations I had to fulfill has been to position my work in relation to a fashionable epithet, as well as to outline the possibilities of how such a field of study could be meaningfully delineated. And this exercise has taken the form of a book which you just announced, Can Artistry Be Made Global? Meditations from the Periphery. This is forthcoming actually in early March. And the book engages with this overused category of the global. It inflects it with the criticality that draws on my research on South Asia. Now, South Asia is a region which is considered peripheral to the Euro-American mainstream, but I use the insights that this region brings forth to exert analytical pressure on narratives, which are then embedded in the self-designated mainstream. My book is the fruition not only of research and teaching, it's also a product of intellectual collaborations. And among these collaborations are a number of projects in which Sumati and I have collaborated. And the culminating is this one on uh, the work of Pushpamala N. You know, Sumati and I first came together on an exciting project in the work of the iconic modernist artist M.F. Hossein, who, as we all know, was an embattled figure since the 1990s and then he sought exile in Qatar. The book that was part of this work came out, um, <clears throat> sorry, it was a, a called Barefoot Across the Nation, Makful Fida Hussein and the Idea of India. It grew out of a conference organized by Sumati at Duke University and then was published in the series Visual and Media Histories that I edit for Rutledge. The book brings together contributions by a galaxy of scholars and is the first scholarly non-hagiographic engagement with the work of this iconic artist. Then the two of us continue to work together at Heidelberg, bringing together different disciplinary expertise to a set of shared interests. We organize a series of salons for close reading and deep looking on themes, such as the praxis of curating, memorializing, as well as an offensive images. Now, my interest in Pushpamala's work has grown over the years, and I have a section of this in my book. Uh, This interest is informed by the conviction that the issues that the artist engages with, though they are ostensibly rooted in a quote-unquote native soil, they raise questions that are global in their implications. My earlier work on gender and political iconography in the context of modern France attracted me to Pushpamala's reenactment of the iconic figure of liberty, about which I'll see more in a bit. And this interest resonated with Sumati's work on Mother India and then led us to plan this exhibition and symposium to ask two sets of questions. First, what is at stake when an artist chooses to reenact the persona of the nation? And what is being transacted here? And secondly, can such a practice make palpable the exclusions and erasures inherent in nation-building processes? Can it make visible that which gets repressed in the upholding of national structures? So let me now hand over to Sumati to continue. Thank
3: you, Monica, for that lovely self-introduction. As you know, you are one of the historians of art who inspired me uh, over 20 years ago to make a visual turn. Prior to that, I was a rather resolute, textually oriented historian, but also growing increasingly aware through my own work of the limitations of an archive, solely assembled around and out of words. My interest in Pushpamala emerged out of my early book on Mother India that you just mentioned. In the book, as you know, I mostly focused on mass-produced printed images, which is often referred to as bazaar or calendar art. I didn't uh, engage with high-end gallery artists like Pushpamala, nor did I explore the work of performative practices focused on Mother India although by 2010, when that book was published, Pushpa's own Mother India series was just taking off and I was aware of some of their work. And that really intrigued me for what it showed about the what I began to think of as the afterlives of bazaar images as they entered the realm of contemporary and performance art. So I was looking for an opportunity and uh, that presented itself when I received a very generous award from the Alexander von Humboldt Foundation in 2016, which allowed me to collaborate with German scholars like Monica. Uh, The Pushpamala project is really the capstone for the award. And I'm immensely grateful to the foundation which funded the fabulous exhibition which we hosted in Heidelberg last summer and also the beautiful scholarly catalog that we are now discussing. And I'm very grateful, Ujjan, for your invitation to the New Books Network for us to do so.
1: Thank you so much. Um, Yes, it's it's really an honor to have you here um, today. Um, So can you tell us, uh, Professor Ramaswamy, then a bit more about the authors and how you brought them together uh, for this project?
3: Thank you. That's a lovely question, um, because it allows me to uh, begin by saying that from the start, we intended this project to be both collaborative and interdisciplinary, believing that an artist with the range that Pushpamala has, as well as the complex- complexity of her work, requires this kind of treatment. But I think we also believe Monica and I believe in principle that collaborative and interdisciplinary work is both productive and generative. We wanted to bring in as well fresh voices into the field of the study of contemporary art in India more generally but also those who would offer new perspectives on the artist. As you may know scholars of the stature of Gita Kapoor, Parul Dave Mukherjee Christopher Pinney and Gayatri Sinha have written about Pushpamala. While building on their insights, one of our questions certainly was, what else can we learn when we look anew and from different disciplinary angles at this series? Now, there are certainly what I would consider card-carrying art historians in the book. Monica herself, Romita Ray, Chaitanya Sambrani, and Karin Zitsowitz, But they're also joined by the media sociologist, Arvind Rajagopal, anthropologist, Manuela Ciotti, theater studies scholar, Sharanya, and I am of course a historian, as I just noted. I should also mention that several of us had not engaged with Pushpamala's work at all as scholars before this project. And that was also the challenge that we gave to our authors, uh, inviting them to do so. It is also worth noting that our collaborative endeavor echoes the collaborative nature of Pushpamala's own practice. Other artists are part of her performances. Men and women help her with her elaborate makeup, costume and lighting. And of course, you know, photographers like Claire Arney and Clay Kelton are very intensely and intimately involved with the work. So in a sense, in the very design of our book as a collaboration we are honoring this principle of the artist's practice as well from the beginning we also knew that the exhibition would be accompanied by a scholarly seminar which we would uh, engage with the curated images and a scholarly catalog would be the result of our endeavors but then like with so many you know other such events, COVID really threw a real spanner in the works in March 2020. Both the exhibition and the seminar, which had been scheduled for October 2020 in Heidelberg, had to be put on hold. But we used the time when we were all sheltering in in place very productively, I have to say, through a series of online webinars where we began to exchange ideas. By the end of 2021, the catalog went into production, thanks also to a very engaged team at Roly Books in New Delhi, and our wonderful commissioning editor, Chirag Tucker. So that when the exhibition officially opened at the end of May last year, the volume was available on site when we held a day-long seminar and had a series of really wonderful conversations, including with graduate students. So I have to say this project has really affirmed my faith in collaborative, interdisciplinary work. It is intellectually productive and was ethically satisfying too, since it helped sustain us through a global pandemic. Not least, I want to say that throughout this entire process, the artist stayed with us and sustained our efforts. Working on a project of the sort with a living artist comes with its own joys, but also challenges. If they are willing and able, they serve as excellent interlocutors and their interpretations of their own work offer insights that we as scholars ought to take on board without compromising, of course, our own ideas and and where our theorizing leads us. Langphush Pamala is a very interesting artist to involve in such an enterprise. Wouldn't you agree, Monica?
2: Yes, of course. But let me put it this way. Uh, Today, both art historians as well as artists are invested in reflecting on their practices. As art historians, we have become conscious of the need to move beyond an art history that is organized around celebrating the individual persona of the artist. You know, this follows from a critical engagement with the epistemic foundations of the discipline that had in the late 19th and early 20th centuries adopted an evolutionist paradigm to investigate art. Artistic processes. And at the pinnacle of these processes, it saw the individual artists and elided other forms of agency. So destabilizing that paradigm with all its biologistic overtones has meant doing an art history that makes place for distributed agency. And this is an aspect to which I have devoted an entire chapter in my forthcoming book. At the same time, Contemporary artists, too, see their work as discursive interventions in an expanded field that is shared with scholars. Artists, too, do research, use many of the materials that we as scholars use, such as archives, texts, historical photographs, maps, oral testimonies, though, of course, they subject them to different protocols, and their work produces meanings through different paths. And Pushpamala is certainly one of such artists, you know, one of those who never cease to reflect on their own practice. So in the end, the making and reading of a work of art is very much an act of co-production between the scholar and the artist. One cannot be read without the other. An art project involving a team of eight scholars from different disciplines and the artist worked together according to this shared understanding. In the process which Sumati has just described. At the symposium we held in Heidelberg these readings were further enriched by the interventions of interlocutors, of students and other members of the audience. You know recently in an incisive review of our book the art historian Ajay Sinha has observed that scholars each writing from a specific angle invariably project their individual expectations onto the work of the artist and he describes this relationship as a strength for readings of the artist's tantalizing work continue to proliferate in this way so this makes the entire enterprise from the start productive and self reflective and not least for our team as you said Sumati it was a source of sustenance and a lived form of scholarly solidarity across four continents in apocalyptic times.
1: Thank you. That that was wonderful. So um,
2: can you uh, then introduce
1: um, Professor Juneja um, a bit about the artist uh, Pushpamala and, and uh, some of her other works?
2: Yes, of course. Uh, Pushpamala is well known today for her spirited experiments in performance art, that is, live performance as well as video and photo performance. She was initially trained as a sculptor And then in the 90s, like a number of other artists, she turned to the genre of film and performance. And this emerged as a more effective way of intervening amidst the difficult transformations of globalizing societies and also to be able to handle the particularly troubling forms of violent nationalisms that we were being confronted with. Now, in the Motherland project, she takes on the persona of Mother India to interrupt and interrogate an entire baggage of visual attempts to picture Bharat Mata as a novel goddess of the emergent nation. This is the history that Sumati has investigated in her wonderful book on Mother India. So the act of interruption and interrogation I just mentioned is affected to the genre of photo performance. This is a special mode of art making in which the artist, like an ethnographer in search of ready-mades, chooses from a repertoire of floating images. These could be pictures of celebrities, postcards, calendar images, anthropological photographs, or the cover of a book or a glossy magazine. It could be any print that circulates through media and market networks. And her choice invariably focuses on iconic images. When she selects one of these, she temporarily interrupts its movement and proceeds to take it apart by re-enacting it. In other words, the artist enters the persona of the protagonist with her performative body. And she does so, as Sumati has just described, in collaboration with a team of designers and technicians who produce the theatrical settings to animate the performance. The entire reenactment then is captured by the camera and becomes a photograph, which then in turn joins the stream of circulated fabricated images. The earlier act of interruption brings forth a new work that purports to be a double, but is not quite the same as the earlier one. And so draws our attention to this tangled question of the distinction between original and copies. And this, as we know, is a distinction that is created by modernity. The artist's use of her performative self to enter an image becomes a form of iconic interruption through irony and wit. And this in turn exercises a deconstructive critique of icons and typologies that are socially ingrained. And doing so in the domain of the nation, that is by impersonating the myriad embodiments of the nation portrayed as mother, allows her to expose the invented nature of each of these iterations. She reminds the viewer of the artifice of such embodiments of Mother India, whose multifarious images in painting, print, and performance had grown to acquire an aura of naturalness. You know, Pushpamala herself describes this as, and I quote her, she says, to enter the skin of a person is to become that person. And for her, this is a liberating act, for she says, and I continue to quote, I'm enjoying myself by becoming the other, but I am still myself, unquote. The question for us remains, can the artist enter the skin of such an affectively charged figure, enjoy this act of becoming and unbecoming, and yet remain unscathed? It's a question that also came up in the symposium, leading to an acknowledgement of the privilege enjoyed by the artist as a member of an elite to engage in the practice of irony and wit. Though this remains an unresolved question, especially in our troubled times, we must remember that the domain of the nation has become so embattled and artists and intellectuals are all threatened with censorship and repression. Wouldn't you agree, Sumati? Sumati?
3: Uh, Yes, I would indeed, Monica. In fact, as you know, artists like Pushpa or Emma Fussein around whose works you and I collaborated more than a decade ago, they point to both the robustness of India's much celebrated democratic culture, as well as its limits and especially the stresses it is experiencing in recent times. I also want to follow up on something else you noted. Uh, an underscore that Pushpa's work gets us to think about the ludic and the place of the comic and humor in contemporary art. In fact, the epigraph for our catalog is a set of observations that the artist herself has made in this regard, where she notes that she has always loved using humor and the absurd for comment, subversion, or catharsis. Uh, it is the massage in the message, as she puts it rather cleverly. Uh, And I wanted to remind us about that as well.
1: Um, Right. So uh, to carry on from there, Professor Ramaswamy, can you um, tell us a bit about the first chapter on hyperreal icon? So as I flip through the pages i see that she does recreate some of the canonical pieces uh, associated with independence uh, like the great sacrifice i mean uh, anti colonial struggle sorry with um, such as the great sacrifice with Pagat singh um, and honoring ranjit bharat mata so can you tell us a bit about uh, that
0: this episode is brought to you by sax.com at sax.com it's easy to find your new vibe Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com.
3: Yes, certainly. So the design uh, of for the of the project, as I noted earlier, um, Uh, was collaborative and interdisciplinary, but also from the start, we asked, invited each contributor to select an anchor image from the Artist's Motherland series, and we invited them to offer extended reflections around it, bringing the image into dialogue with other images in the series, or with Pushpamala's larger body of work, or with images more generally, Uh, The opening article is by Chaitanya Sambrani, who is an art historian and curator based at the Australian National University in Canberra. It begins with a work that is indeed canonical, as you note, for modern Indian art, but also in the century-long tradition of picturing Mother India, the Bengali artist Obanindranath Tagore's Bharat Mata. In his essay, Chaitanya observes Uh, that almost exactly a century after this painting was originally completed in 1905, Pushpamala steps into it, so to speak, around 2004, performing an anachronism that is a mockingly faithful reproduction, although so much has changed in India as well as the world between 1905 and 2004. Chaitanya uses this photo performance to make a larger theoretical point about what he perceives is at the heart of the artist's practice in this series, namely visual dialogue through citation and appropriation that produces a resonance that carries over time, place and even genres. He rightly emphasizes that although Pushpamala appears to be mimetically reproducing inherited images, just as Monica beautifully described for us, she is in the process also producing vital new critical knowledge about every image she enters, rather than offering a mere rehearsal or repetition of a prior image. And I end this uh, uh, discussion of Chaitanya's piece by quoting him. The key is that she works with a repertoire of images that are all too recognizable, but which shift ever so slightly through her ironic, frequently humor-laden reenactments.
1: Uh, wonderful. Uh, so let me uh, then turn to Professor uh, Juneja now about uh, the next chapter, which is about uh, feminist practice. And then... Um, how and what kind of politics is uh, reflected in Pushwamala's work?
2: Yes, this chapter is by the art historian Karen Sitsowitz, who teaches at Michigan State University, and she has authored two outstanding books of modern and contemporary art in South Asia. Uh, she further develops Chaitanya Sambrani's insight on the power exercised by Pushwamala's reenactments that comes as Sumati just observed, from the oscillation between the recognizable and the yet not identical. Now, Karen argues that Pushpamala's move to quote-unquote open the image as a precondition of entering it is a feminist act of inversion. In other words, valorizing body and performance as still photographs produces resonance with other genres of visual culture and this works to make visible the destabilizing power of imitation. In addition, Feminist Scholarship has proposed that the dynamics of art making is a form of unfolding subjectivity. So this means that collaborative practice of the kind that emerges in Pushpamala's work engenders a shared subjectivity that further undermines what is essentially a masculinist and modernist conception of the singular artist. And not least, Karen points out that in the light of nationalism's appropriation of women as a repository of quote-unquote tradition, the artist's act of reclaiming feminine agency and recasting artistic subjectivity provide the light motif of all her work, not least because it reminds us that Mother India is after all an image and only an image. So, very interesting. So let me stay
1: on uh, the question of politics a bit on and let me ask you a follow up um, to this. So the, the following ones, which is uh, chapters, which is by Romita Ray and Arvind Raja Gopal's um essays talk on bharat mata and the question of secularism um, a very pertinent question at this point in point in time and broadly what i'm interested in given the current political climate and with the resurfacing of hindutva's refashioning of a quest of motherland how can we locate pushpamala's work um in this milieu
2: Okay, let me start by talking about Romita Ray's work. Romita Ray is another wonderful art historian. She's originally from Kolkata, now she's located at Syracuse, and she chooses the domain of the material as an entry point into Pushpamala's work. Iconic description of a sanctified image is effected in her analysis by the force of materiality. And here she draws attention to Pushpamala's use of an unpretentious theatrical prop. This is a papier-mâché lion that was bought in one of the bazaars in Bangalore and described as, in Pushpamala's words, a clumsy lion. The object's very lack of sophistication fuels our imagination and it jolts the established conventions of iconography. Now, Romita also draws our attention to another kind of materiality, that of the digital, paradoxical as this may sound. As the photo performances of the artist proliferate through digital media, they are sustained by embodied regimes of sacred viewing, the notion of the notion of Darshan. And digital technology can harness this and inscribe it with a renewed aura. And this has been confirmed by, in another context by the film scholar, Ashish Radhya um, who has shown how modern technology is deployed in mythological films to harness these cultural codes. That is, the formal device of frontal viewing enters the cinematic medium where the deities are shown looking straight into the camera to foster an exchange of glances with the viewers. The democratization of such regimes of the sacred might work as a bulwark to Hindutva's modes of reappropriating and refashioning the motherland, as it challenges any straightforward symbiosis between the modern political subject and the nation. And as Romita importantly shows, it makes place for religious affect. And this is an aspect which is further discussed by Arvind Rajagopal, as Sumati will now tell us.
3: Thanks, Monica. Arvind Rajagopal is a media theorist at uh, New York University. In his essay, he's interested in locating Pushpamala's gendered performances as Mother India within the context of mass-mediated culture as an experiment in political aesthetics and with what he characterizes as secular realism. His essay begins by identifying a lacuna in art historical scholarship as well as practice on the place of religion and faith-based identities in modern Indian art. Modern and contemporary art prides itself on being resolutely secular, identifying itself with the opening moments of India's career as an independent secular nation. In those heady decades, as he argues, secularism entailed a a regulation of the image economy, with the Nehruvian state refraining from endorsing religious imagery in public institutions and avoiding discrimination between different religious communities in state policies. Such secular realism began to be slowly eroded from the 1980s and especially the 1990s, with what Arvind calls a deregulation of the image economy, with devotional Hindu epics becoming a staple on state television, which some of his earlier work had documented beautifully. This also gave license to other religious imagery to flourish in the public domain and encouraged a resurgence of the image of Mother India, as well as her appearance as an explicitly martial Hindu mother goddess. So, it's with this resurgence that Pushpamala as a feminist secular artist contends from the new millennium. Her appropriation of the image of Mother India in its various variants that we are charting across this catalogue is, on the one hand, a reminder of the incompleteness of the Indian secular project, while on the other, it is an emphatic declaration that the sacred is not an exclusive monopoly of the Hindu right. Pushpamala's Mother India series, Arvind argues, can be seen as an attempt to place the figure of the goddess against a new ground, pushing back against the dry secularism of modernist art.
1: That's very, that's a very interesting um, essay. I, I personally found that essay very interesting and I think you have wonderfully summed up the... Um, intent in that uh, so let me stay on um, with you professor ramaswamy a bit on the questions of performance um, i the, the, the next essay is a very interestingly of pushpamala performing um, as bharat mata behind a stovetop, uh, which she performed at the hyderabad literary festival um, this is the performance uh, with which uh, Sharanya's piece begins. Uh, so I'm very interested to know about this performance in particular. And can you explain this question of edible nationalism?
3: Yes, thanks. Uh, our listeners might be interested in a blog post in, August, uh, in the August 2021 issue of an online periodical called On Eating, a Multilingual Journal of Food and Eating. Uh, in this essay, in this post, I should say, Pushpamala resurrects her alter ego, the celebrated art theorist N. Rajalakshmi, Lakshmi, who she has, of course, invented. And she engages in a tongue-in-cheek conversation with Rajalakshmi Lakshmi about her various works featuring food. For example, in 2004, Pushpamala made a short film called Rashtriya Khir and Desya Salad, a national Pudding and Indigenous Salad, which is which was based on her family recipe books. And more recently in 2018, she did a performance that you're alluding to called Urgent SARU, SARU being the popular tomato-based Kannadiga dish, bright red in color, which is consumed with rice. The work itself was inspired by a recipe that Pushpa received from a close friend, the activist journalist Gauri Lankesh, who had been recently assassinated by right-wing forces in Bangalore. Hence also the adjective urgent, which now takes on an edgy new meaning. Both of these works that I've mentioned point to Pushpa's interest as a feminist artist with the kitchen and with cooking and ideals of feminine and female domesticity, all critical ingredients of what our contributor Sharanya, who is a theatre studies scholar at Brunel University in London, calls edible nationalism, which she shows is actually fairly inedible. So in her essay, which is titled very interestingly, Hand to Mouth, Sharanya focuses on the affect laden body of Bharat Mata as a mother and as a wife who performatively cooks, knits and sustains her family through labor that is both domestic and national. In such performances, the still image of poster or art or painting that some of many of us in the catalog are focused on is enlivened by the artist's living, breathing body, and the focus is on her hands, which stay busy, as Sharanya puts it, evocatively, immersed in the red of labor and blood. When she's not making saree, she's on a stage knitting something red, as in a 2010 performance called Motherland, where Pushpamala collaborated with the poet Mamta Sagar, to recall the work and life of another Kannadiga writer, Nanjangud Tirumalamba. Through cooking, knitting and other acts of feminized care, Pushpamala, uh, 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 Sharanya argues, inscribes the political body that is both laboring and belabored. Uh, Is there anything else you want to add here, Monica?
2: Yes, I would like to draw attention to another dimension of Pushpamala's act of becoming intimate with a maternal icon. And this has been discussed in Manuela Ciotti's article. Uh, Manuela is an anthropologist at the University of Vienna, and she has written insightfully on the contemporary art world in South Asia. Here in this piece, she exposes both the benign and the fascist as two faces of a mother India, who doctors the human body to ensure the production of perfect, implicitly male, citizens. This unpacking is about the biopolitics of making and upholding nations across the political and territorial spectrum. Manuela investigates Pushpamala's use of pedagogical materials in the video series called Good Habits, and argues that this work extends the notion of a national pedagogy beyond the schooling of the mind to the right of the nation to control the formation of bodies. Manuela's reference point here is the draconic birth control policies enforced during the regime of Indira Gandhi in 1975. And yet, for her the disciplining body politics of the nation transcend in principle specific party affiliations and are constituted to diverse regimes in colonial as well as post colonial india
1: thank you so um that's uh, that's very well articulated i think i f- i found that um i found that essay very uh, intriguing uh, and and professor amara will definitely go and check out on the blog i think that's that's phenomenal Um, So let me finally move on to talk about the two individual essays that um, both of you have written for the volume, um, the one on uh, liberty and the one on nation and uh, abjection. So Professor Juneja, uh, let me first come to you.
2: Yes, um, as I mentioned at the start, I was drawn to Pushpamala's embodiment of Delacroix's iconic image of the figure of liberty striding across the barricade of dead bodies, because I was intrigued by her venturing outside of the domain of the quote-unquote native. Moreover, you know, here she does not personify the nation per se, but the virtue of liberty, and liberty is a gift that democratic nation ensures to its citizens and pledges to safeguard it. So this act involves becoming intimate with a political ideal that has a proud claim to universality, you know, freedom as a natural right for humanity, the right to have rights, as Hannah Arendt uh, eloquently declared. At the same time, you know, notwithstanding its claim to being a universal human right, we must remember that Delacroix's image is embedded in a national, French, or even a European context of bourgeois revolutions, of the global transformations that came in their wake. And these include colonialism, the enslavement of sections of the world's populations in the name of economic freedom. In other words, liberty was contingent on the unfreedom of large sections of humanity at home and afar. And Pushpamala makes this recognition visible through an act of double embodiment. She does something which none of the earlier iconic representations of liberty have done. And she does so by conjoining her work to another photo performance that was placed next to it in the same exhibition at Paris. And it is intended to be read as its pendant. This is called The Slave and Her Slave, and it mimics the Orientalist work by the French artist Jean-Auguste Dominique Enger. It's on the subject of an odalisque, that is the concubine of a Turkish sultan, being served by her black slave. And here Pushpamala chooses to enter the figure of the second slave. And in doing so, her performative persona joins liberty to the slave and makes them appear as two faces of the same coin. Also, by impersonating, in turn, a white woman and then a black slave, she herself in this racial economy is between the two, and this makes it possible for her to reclaim liberty as a veritable human right. I also use this image to argue that it problematizes, through its racial economy, issues of belonging in democratic societies. Especially as these societies have been transformed optically by the present of migrant populations. This was very much so in the context of France, where this work was first exhibited, and which at that time was experiencing violent unrest around the question of migrant communities. But as we know only too well, questions of citizenship and belonging are not exclusive to France. They have become contentious across the globe, where nations such as Iran, Israel, the Philippines, the United States under Trump, and not least India, all use the question of citizenship as a biopolitical tool to manufacture illegality. So in the end, the issues this work raises move from the native to the European and the global, and perhaps back to the native, which makes it so special.
3: Yes, indeed, and the essay is very special indeed, Monica, and thank you so much for that contribution to our project. My essay is titled, Nation and Abjection, as Ujan you mentioned. In it, I am conceptually interested in drawing attention to the fact that nations in general, and the Indian nation for sure, uh, which is the focus of my piece, have been produced in and through abjection, especially built on the backs of women who labor, not heroically, but wretchedly. I got interested in exploring what is risked when precarity comes to be aestheticized through works of art and performance in a land where millions are confronted with degrading abjection in their everyday life. Does the political and the ethical and the aesthetic payoff justify such artistic investments? So these were questions that resonated for me with what we were witnessing in the early months of COVID with the specter of millions of our fellow citizens being rendered jobless, hounded out of the cities, back to their villages, and so on, as you know. Two of the latest works in Pushpamala's Motherland series enabled me to tackle such questions that I had been thinking about. Both these works are from 2018. One is called Bharat Bhiksha, and it takes us back to the late 1870s and to the very beginnings of the visualization of India as Mother India in a print published by the Calcutta Art Studio of the same title. And the other is titled Woman with Chakki, in which Pushpamala takes on a charged work of contemporary art by the leading Mumbai artist Atul Dodia, who's also a friend and a collaborator. In both of these works, Pushpamala assumes the guise of a hag and a crone. So they both mark a fundamental departure from almost every other female form that she has skillfully reenacted over her career. And they certainly mark a departure from the dominant visual sense we have inherited of Mother India as a glorious goddess. And yet I argue these works, these works courageously highlight a fact that is occluded or forgotten amidst all the cries of Hail Mother India and the triumphalist claims of Hindu nationalism. And this is the fact that the very origins of the so-called cult of Mother India lie in the figure of the abject female, ground down and crushed by the burdens of colonial rule. At the the same time, and here I'm really building on Sharanya's important call to pay heed to the laboring body, both these works, especially Woman with Chucky, are amongst the most difficult undertaken by the artist herself. The intense physical, affective, and psychic labor that the artist herself had to undertake in these performances with her own aging body is something else we cannot forget and should not forget or mask. So my essay also sought to emphasize this very important fact.
1: Thank you so much. Um, I think that's all I have. I think this was a wonderful conversation. And um, this 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 is in, in an incredibly rich book. And uh, as you said in the beginning, it sort of emphasizes the value of collaboration um, that, um, and, and, and the prop, and the incredible um, research that can, and the incredible output that can happen with valuable collaboration and inter- interdisciplinarity. So um, all that's left for me is to thank you for joining us today. Um, it was wonderful to have this conversation and I hope our listeners would enjoy this conversation um, as much as I had interviewing you. Um, so, yes, any, any final um, thoughts or words? Otherwise, I'll just stop the recording.
3: Just wanted to um, say thank you, Ujjan. And thank you, Monica. <laughs> Always a pleasure.
2: Yeah, my turn also to say thank you. Thank you, Ujjan, for your interest in our book. And thanks, Sumati. As I've just loved working with you. It's been such a learning and enjoyable experience. And I have to say also, All the authors and collaborators and Pushpamala herself have contributed to making this book as rich as it is.
1: Thank you so much. So if you could stay on the call, I'll just um, uh, stop the recording. It takes a minute to um, end. Um, So I'm just going to do that now.